Welcome to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I'm James Moore. And tonight we are going to be talking about Outlawed by Anna North. It is a Western story that takes place in West, of course, Wyoming area. And it is mainly female cowgirls, cowboys, a group of of women in a gang and they all have very interesting reasons for joining the gang and we'll be diving into all of that. But what were your overall thoughts about this book? Well, as a Colorado native, I was very familiar with the the geography that they were talking about. I was picturing specific places that I've hiked and gone to. And I'm very familiar with Westerns in general, because there's a unit in elementary school where you read a bunch of like Westerns and get to understand the Colorado literature. Um, So I was weirdly familiar with what was going on, despite the Handmaid's Tale-esque twist uh, to the history. But I, I really enjoyed it pretty much because I was like, oh yeah, a gang of outlaws. This, yeah, I know what this is about. <laughs> clearly I know nothing about Westerns or geography because I thought it was in Wyoming and clearly it's in Yeah, no, they, they go up into Wyoming because they mentioned Casper specifically. You're not that far off. <laughs> uh, but there was some Colorado yeah, stuff. There was a little, I think South Dakota got mentioned. Okay. Uh, they covered a lot of ground very fast, which confused me. But otherwise I, I enjoyed the ride. Yes. Um, being born and raised in Brooklyn, I didn't have the same experience as far as knowing the uh, the uh, geography and that sort of thing. Although I did, you know, spend time in that area. That's where I met my wife. And like you, uh, Kate, I had the same experience of, okay, they rode horses from here to there in like a day or in a few hours. How, how did they do that? Would these horses have wings? But um. <laughs> I, I delighted myself into the the complexity of the book overall because they touched on a lot of stuff. They touched on it was like a combination of Salem witch trial, gender identity, the evils of society, uh, mob mentality. It's it's a it's a very comp- delightfully complex book. I say that I enjoy reading it. Yeah, I was definitely not anticipating all of the really like deep themes that it had, um, just based on the cover of the book and. I don't know. I thought it would be kind of like a fun, ooh, you know, we're in the Wild West and it's a bunch of females. And yeah, I was definitely taken by surprise. I mean, it was just really sad. Like most of the book I found to be really sad. Like even you think that there's going to be a happy like love story going on and then he dies like the next chapter. (laughs) Like, oh, well, that was sad. And I guess that's really the reality of that time, right? That you're in a cowboy gang and, you know, you're robbing a bank. Chances are most people aren't going to survive. Most people back then had weapons and it, it it would be unrealistic, I guess, for there to be like a happy romance in this book. Yeah, I, you guys know me. I am all for killing people, usually in the story to, to, to make it meaningful. You know, when you kill off a main character, if you do it in a certain way, it, it um, really makes the story stronger. And it did in this book too, but I got to admit that I had a little bit of disappointment when when Lark was killed. I was like, man, that was her last chance. 
at any kind of happiness, but um, but now I'm jumping ahead. So well, I mean, I think that's an interesting point because I think that maybe it was intentional to show that her happiness had nothing to do with another person. It had to do with trying to figure out why women could be barren. And it seems like she got that. I mean, that was her goal and motivation throughout the whole book. And yeah, the love story was kind of rooting for that. But but when this is such a feminist book, I guess it's it's kind of good that it didn't end up being a love story. Well, this might be me being selfish, okay? But the way I saw it was, yes, her finding out the, the secrets that she wanted to about barrenness and how it happens and that sort of thing, that was her destiny. That was her reason for being, okay? And you don't need a man to fulfill your destiny. You know, I, I get that. I think they could have still done that, maybe not as well in the book. They could have still done that and given her someone to love, you know, given her lark, because especially the fact that he was deformed the way he was, the way he was mutilated, because that kind of took away an element of the physical that made everything between them really more spiritual than anything else. It was because they wanted to be together. It wasn't just a physical thing. And I really thought that because of that, the fact that that happened to him, that they're going to let them stay together. But no, he had to go and get himself killed robbing a bank. Yeah, I... I think the book is really interesting to the fact that there were so many different types of love and physical and emotional connections that it was so much more like beyond just man and woman. It was whatever the people in this group felt drawn towards. And it was about the connection more so than anything else. And you don't see that in books too often. You know, you had the kid who they said, oh, the kid is not a man or woman. The kid is the kid. You had the women who identified as a woman and straight. And then you had the lesbians. You had the ones that were open to whatever kind of connection. And then, of course, you had Ada and Lark which, as you said, James, was more just their their connection in general, despite what he had been through and what they could or couldn't do. So, yeah, I mean, you just you really don't see that too often. I don't think I've ever seen that in a book where it's so fluid like that. Yeah, I thought that Lark served an interesting purpose to show that in this dystopia, there were consequences for men too, because it seemed like there were only consequences for women for so much of the book. And then finally, it showed what happened to a guy when he stepped out of the monogamous situation uh, that was expected of them. So that was interesting, at least, to have a little more nuance to that uh, gender role dynamic that their society had. But yeah, I think he had to die. <laughs> because because otherwise Ada was going to get distracted. They were like going to have to travel because he was an outlaw. I mean, she was an outlaw, but you know, they, they came up with that plan in the jail and it just seemed to distract from the gynecology that she wanted to study. And so he had to go. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with the way he went. That was a little abrupt and a little off page for me, but it, it happens. But I, I agree with you, Amber. I really liked the, the representation of the full spectrum of women from like girly girl Agnes Rose, who was straight and loved dresses, to non-binary the kid, to tomboys that were straight, lesbians that were girly, you know, lesbians that were tomboys. It was it was a really great thing to have in 
especially this dystopia that was so focused on gender, uh, because I keep comparing it to The Handmaid's Tale, but The Handmaid's Tale had very little of a spectrum. It had a a smidge, it had lesbians, but otherwise it did not have much of a spectrum uh, represented, but this one did a really good job. It's interesting that you say it's a dystopia, because I I didn't really think that reading it. Like, it seemed like it could all have happened in small rural towns back in this time period that they would banish or hang people for not being able to procreate. Oh, no, that would just put them to work. (laughs) 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 They couldn't handle losing anyone in the the old West days. They would just be like, and you're milking the cows. See you later. Yeah, I, I questioned that myself. I, I got the feeling, just a gut feeling that saying, thinking to myself, well, in the Western society, would they really just make the assumption leap that somebody who couldn't have children makes other women not have children and the whole witch trial thing? If we throw her in a lake and she floats, she's a witch type type mentality and attitude that was present there. Did that happen in the West or was that just part of the creative making of this story? I I didn't have the time to, to kind of research that, but I think I would be more impressed with the author if it's something that she, she kind of came up with by herself to kind of, you know, throw that in there. Yeah, no, she made that up. Um, okay. Because, so what I got from it was that that the flu that went through a few years, few years back or generations or whatever it was, killed a lot of people and probably caused some sort of problem with female reproduction, probably also male reproduction. They don't talk about that. So I, I think that must have been some sort of consequence of the flu somehow. Then they got really obsessed with having enough people because that was a problem back then with having enough people to like keep a, a city, a, a town afloat. So yeah, they, they also, they talked so much about baby Jesus. And I don't know if that's because they were so obsessed with reproduction or if they just really love Christmas, but the, the focus on baby Jesus no no mention of adult or teenage Jesus, <laughs> preteen Jesus going through his gangly phase. None of that happened. Uh, the obsession with baby Jesus, I wanted more explanation, just a smidge as to why it was always the baby, but not. Like, wouldn't they really love Virgin Mary, too? There was no mention of Mary. That was a or little confusing. A certain religion, like the focus on baby Jesus, that like, I, I'm not well-versed in different types of religions, but. Well, I don't think it's a, a specific sect of Christianity or uh, of specific religion, but I I have spoken and, and dealt with some people from certain regions of the country. And it's almost as if just like just like Kate was saying that they're, they're mentally just stuck with the baby Jesus because they, they're, they're just stuck on the whole Christmas theme. He's the the hope of the world. And, you know, we you're praying to this baby. You're, you're putting all your faith into this baby. There's nothing about his ministry, nothing about the resurrection, which is the true foundation of Christianity is that the, not the fact that he was born, but the fact that he got resurrected. That's the whole deal. But people kind of just set that aside when they have a, a mental idea of Christianity just being, we have to be good for babies. We'll make the baby Jesus cry if we don't do <laughs> the right things. And that, that seemed to be the mentality of some of these people in this story. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Like of, of religion, you had the kid who had a religion philosophy of their own. Did you get kind of the cultish vibes at all? Just like the way that the kid was kind of charismatic and people were following and then they wanted to make this town and then run the town. Like it kind of felt like we were building up to being like a bigger cult. 
Well, the hard part is that everyone else had such a, a weird worldview that when the kid is talking about like women having more freedom and, and people not even having to be binary, that sounds more like today than the worldview that those people had. So to me, it sounded less culty and more like ahead of their time. Hmm. But at the time, it probably seemed a little culty. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that um it might be it would be doing the kid a little disservice to say it was like a cult type thing because just when I thought they were going in that direction that the kid because mostly in a cult situation that person that charismatic person is saying oh I am the second coming I am the you know God who's going to lead you to the promised land that sort of thing the kid did not cross that line in fact um the kid always kind of put the her foundation in what she truly believed from scripture, whatever, and tried to leave things up to the group as much as possible, you know, and as far as the decision-making, even though they admitted saying, you know, I'm being given this vision of what I'm doing and everything, but if you don't, you guys don't want to be a part of it, then I won't bring it up again. So I think that kind of, that that alleviates the pressure of the whole uh, cult thing. I think that, um, that we weren't really going in that direction, but it was an example of how a charismatic leader can be put under such pressure, you know, with the, the weakness of not being able to sleep and the the, the mental effect that that had, that even a, a good person with good leadership can, uh, you know, get into a bad situation and the, the vision is not quite fulfilled the way they saw it. Yeah, that's true. By the end, I wasn't feeling the cult vibes at all, but I definitely felt like, you know, that's, that's where we were going. Uh, but you're right. As soon as the kid was like, oh, we'll put it to a vote and then actually followed through on like, OK, if this is what you guys decide, that's fine. Because, you know, you could say you're going to put things to a vote and then still do whatever you want to do regardless. Just do it for the show. But yeah, I, I felt like that was the turning point in my mind. Like, OK, this this is closer to a democratic community here. But I didn't realize like, like I said, I know nothing about Western history, but I didn't realize that the hole in the wall gang is a real historical gang that mm-hmm. the author just put this feminist spin on. So do you know anything about the actual gang? Not off the top of my head. It it was familiar. The kid was familiar. I was I, I had expectations of men, basically. Um, but I think the book also set it up so that you you would expect men, whether you knew it was real or not. So then when it was a group of women and non-binary people, I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Because <laughs> I was very nervous about, you know, young little Ada gonna go join a gang. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> this is, uh, this is not, this is not gonna go the way she thinks it's gonna go. <laughs> But then it ended up better. So that was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the way that the author took some facts and molded it in, in attractive fiction. Because um, no, I got I got to admit that my knowledge of the hole in the wall gang, the fact that they were real and that sort of thing. My limitation as far as my knowledge of that is just through other movies. So I don't know how much of it is really factual or poetic license and everything but i know that you know butch and sundance their gang was was the hole in the wall gang and when i heard that phrase i said oh she's gonna run into butch and sundance you know she's gonna you know have those characters but the the characters were completely different it was a much better story than i was anticipating because of what was explored through that group so i'm 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 really impressed with how the author took 
took some elements in different parts of American society and molded them together into this story. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting part is that Westerns, I would say, are typically the very opposite of feminist in the roles that women are in in the stories and how they're portrayed and typically the lack of women women lead characters, at least from my limited knowledge about Westerns. Like I said, I, I would not call myself a Western expert, but from what I have seen in the movies, at least, um, this seems like spinning everything on its head, which is well, great. Yeah, the well, the, the way Westerns, and I won't go into too much of this because it would turn into a documentary on the Western genre, but Initially, when Westerns came initially came out, they they were pumped up with testosterone. A man's a real man. If you can draw somebody down with a six gun and and that sort of thing, but it has evolved the way our country has evolved, and a lot of Westerns started bringing in actual facts of other contributors to what made the, the what made the West like you know the women involved as far as not just being the pioneer woman that supported her man, but also um, shady characters, you know, outlaws anti-heroes who were women with guns and and uh, free slaves or runaway slaves and that you know joined the buffalo soldiers you know fought for their country uh, made homesteads just like everybody else out in the west and the the plight of the the chinese americans that were brought over to the west that basically built the railroads out there it, it the western genre started to evolve as far as you know showing the whole story instead of just you know, the white man owning cattle out there with a gun so i already know the answer to this but we always talk about do we have a strong female main character and honestly i feel like this is probably the clearest yes <laughs> we've ever had <laughs> in in one of our books that we've read and not just one but many yeah uh yeah ada definitely makes a lot of choices that pushes the plot forward i mean she didn't make the choice of being barren or being kicked out of her family but she agreed to go to the nunnery and then at the nunnery she liked the books and then from the books she wanted to go find this doctor and then she was given the choice to go to the gang and she's like all right let's go to the gang and then she sort of swam along with them but she you know volunteered for that first trip that went awry and she you know volunteered to to do stuff instead of just being told what to do uh which because it could have easily happened you know, as a writer, it would be easy to be like, the kid is in charge, so she's just going to do what the kid tells her. And, you know, the everyone, pretty much everyone was making choices because at the end, you know, they were like, what do I want? Do I want to stay at the hole in the wall or do I want to go somewhere else? You know, they had goals. I'll admit some of the gang blurred together and I, <laughs> I couldn't remember who was who, who was with who. So some of them were a little flat, but otherwise... Ada was really, yeah, definitely a strong female character. Yeah, I yeah, would agree I, about them kind of blurring together. I was like, wait, was that news or Texas? Or then Elsie was the one with the hand that got lost the feeling in the hand after the accident. And then that was the only way I could remember her. But the other ones, I could never keep track. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to check my box of definitely a strong character for Ada. And in addition to that, of course, the kid was a, is a strong female character. And well, and hold on, pause. The kid was non-binary, so the kid was oh. a non-binary strong character. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I stand corrected. But um, I think the other members of the gang, except for um, who, who was the kid's 
wife at Cassie. Cassie, yeah, right. The, there was the the way I say it was Ada, the kid, and Cassie, and then the rest of the Hole in the Wall gang was the rest of them was together. The other strong character because you know the interactions between the rest of the gang and Ada kind of built up a, another characterization of her interaction with the group, trying to mingle with the group and and fit in and and do the right thing. And I think it actually made Ada a more believable strong character. The fact that things did not work out. Initially, and the, on the first few things, and and I especially like the scene where it was um, her and um, I forget one of the uh, I guess that one of the 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 the, uh, the black hole in the wall gang member when they um, had that big festival and everything, and Ada tried to talk down a couple of these women. I was talking about you know the mixing of the races and all that stuff, and I think it was a great example on how you can say something that's absolutely right, but you're not benefiting the person that you think you're benefiting by bringing this up and talking about it and that sort of thing. That's not the way to approach it or handle it or make any kind of a change. You're not going to change anybody's mind. And she was actually really doing that for herself and not for her friend. And and she got called out for that. And I think it's going to down the road, make her a better gynecologist, you know, in her future endeavors and dealing with people that have, you know, different issues and problems. I, I really like the fact that that scene existed in the book. Yeah. And that's just another example of how many nuances of the themes there are in this book and how they could be covered in really genius ways that aren't like in your face, but they're apparent enough to really make an impact. Um, and, and she did that with so many topics like we've talked about with like the non-binary and, and the fluidity in uh, gender roles and sexuality. And I just could really see this book honestly being analyzed in college courses and gender studies or psychology or and really any any class <laughs> they could tie it in and have good discussion and go a bit deeper so I will admit though honestly at first I felt like this was kind of a short book as far as like how much action there was it seemed like it went really quickly and then all of a sudden we're at this big robbery and then all of a sudden she's like all right well peace I'm gonna go um off and find my way and in that on reflecting on the ending, it makes sense. Like it makes sense why it ended the way that it did, but it seemed like her time with the hole in the wall gang was short. And I don't know if it's because the book itself was short or if the time actually was short, but I was like, man, I feel like this is one of the few books where I felt like they probably could have had another hundred pages. Uh, yeah, the ending was way too fast. From the robbery onwards, way too fast. I I wasn't even sure they got the money out of the bank because the, she just didn't talk about it. And then like all sorts of things happened off the page. I was like, no, <laughs> you got to slow down. I actually thought I was missing a chapter on my e-reader because I was like, what just happened? <laughs> Yeah, there were um, several scenes like that where all of a sudden it took like a weird fade to black and then you're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, and not in like a cliffhanger of like, oh, what's going to happen way, but just like, I need I need some closure. And then the, the final fight where she's like running, they're all running in different directions and they get to the wall and they're climbing the wall and she has a weird conversation with the sheriff from her hometown, which that did need closure, but like was that the right moment <laughs> it didn't feel like the right moment and then the kid just comes up and kills him i, I needed something else 
Yeah, that felt a little convenient timing. Yeah. Like hero comes out of nowhere. Like I've been in hiding, but I came out at the exact right moment. Yeah, like, oh, I got I got through my manic depression episode <laughs> to save the day. Yeah, it, it seemed to me that they started putting the foot on the gas right at the jailbreak scene. They're they're running out of the jail. She gets shot and um oh no 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 uh, yeah. Uh, was it was it Lark that got shot coming out there? Well, see, I don't know. It went so fast. It could be somebody, anybody. Yeah, somebody somebody <laughs> got shot. And, and they yeah. and they wake up surrounded by the hole in the wall gang, save, and they're talking about, hey, you know, we came and got you and everything. I was like, well, we missed a whole lot of action there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt as if, you know, as they were talking to, you know, as Lark and Ada are talking in the jail and everything, somebody walked up to the author and whispered in the ear, this is due tomorrow. You got to finish this by eight tomorrow. And, and she's like, oh, shoot, this is due tomorrow. Okay, let me, let me get through all this stuff. And she, from then on, uh, they really, she really put her foot on the gas. And um, I was actually waiting for the next thing to happen. Once once Ada got out West, you know, and was about to take over for the doctor, I thought that was a really nice twist that the doctor wasn't there, you know, because you're, uh, you know, it would have been corny to have just like a passing of the torch and she becomes the apprentice or whatever. No, because of everything that Ada went through, she was ready. She was ready to, to just be given the knowledge on paper and explore stuff like that because of her experience and what she knew and kind of take the doctor's place. But I was waiting for the next big thing to happen. And then all of a sudden I, I swiped the page and it says acknowledgement. So at the top, I was like, hey, what's the, the next big thing? I, it seemed anticlimactic to me. And it, it, it was a little bit of a, a letdown. Even though I enjoyed the book thoroughly, I think that they could have, like you said, put at least another, you know, 50, 60 pages, put another couple of scenes in there of her maybe settling in there or some kind of conflict or or whatever. It it seemed like it was cut off. Yeah. And I don't mind necessarily how it ended on a cliffhanger because I felt like to me that felt resolved like okay she made it to where she wanted to go but but I agree that there were certain scenes where it was like well we missed all the action like that's a big thing and I don't know if that was intentional like to make it not feel like it was just an action book and really focus on those like in-between moments but because the book was so short, I felt like we could have had both. We could have had the action scenes and have that downtime where they're building the connections or getting to know the characters. Like you can you can have both in an action story and having action doesn't negate the other parts of it. And, and there was even one scene where I had to reread it several times because she was working on the bombs and then she had a fire going and then she turned around, she looked up and the kid was there. And then it, the scene ended. Like, like it went to the next chapter and I'm like what and they didn't talk about the kid for like another like 15 pages I'm like did the kid blow up what happened I didn't know and I had to reread it because I'm like why is that why was that so jarring like she looked up and the kid was there and then end of chapter I'm like okay the bomb the kid I don't know it, it really confused me and like I don't know why they had to end the scene like that yeah to me I was reading it and I was thinking if this was a movie and these specific scenes that I feel are missing were missing I'd be like, oh, they had budget problems and they couldn't actually afford to show the heist because they only had one day to film (laughs) and they had to get through it. You know, everything on the page 
was great, but I, I missed, I missed those that just the closure to the action. It seemed like maybe the author doesn't like action scenes. And so was like, eh, we're not going to show you that. She's just going to pass out or something. <laughs> we'll come back later. <laughs> well, it did kind of feel like how it is in our writer's group sometimes where you're like, I'm getting writer's block and I don't know how to write this scene. So I'm just going to kind of put this little like filler for now. And then I'll come back to that later. And I'm going to just kind of move on so that I'm writing something And it feels like she did that. And she's like, I'll come back. And then just never went back. Like maybe James, you're right. She just ran out of time and needed to submit to the publisher. I don't know. And she's like, oh yeah, crap. I forgot about those five scenes, but don't, no one will notice. It's fine. It passed through the editor's table. You, you know, now that we're talking about it, I think it was the, uh, I think it was, it was one of the master classes I was watching on screenwriting. Uh, Aaron Sorkin, you know who that is? He's the one that West Wing and the American Presidents. The, I mean, he's a few good men. He he wrote those screenplays and um, he does a master class. He says to avoid the, um, I think he called it like Timmy down the well type thing. In one scene, Timmy falls down the well, it's darkness, it's horrible. How's he going to get out? And then the next scene, after Timmy leaves the well, is the, the beginning of the next scene. You're like, hey, what happened? How did he get out the well? That's what happened, I think, in some of these scenes. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? That scene in Elf where the publisher guy is like, we're just going to publish this without the last few pages. Kids won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elf. I love that movie. <laughs> well, we noticed. Okay. <laughs> Can't can't sneak those missing pages past us. <laughs> well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that we need to discuss? Yes. Did anyone else think that the title was a pun? Maybe because she's an outlaw from like the law, right? But also, she used to have in-laws, and then they kicked her out. So now she she is an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't go the the pun route, you know, but I see it now that you pointed out to me. Thank you very much. But but I, I did totally hang on to the double meaning of how she was forced to be an outlaw. Society made back to into a corner where she didn't have a choice but to be an outlaw. And and that's where the title comes from. But yeah, yeah, I now I get the pun that you've uh, shown it to us. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> I'll never see it the other way now. <laughs> So um, let me ask you, what did you guys think of the sheriff, your opinion of and the role that the sheriff represented in society? Maybe I might be overanalyzing things, but I just want to get from you guys first before I make a comment. Who does the sheriff represent to you? The one that you know got killed by the kid and his relationship with Ada. Who does he represent? I don't I don't know who he represents to me, but it was interesting that he said, well, I don't necessarily agree with what happened to you. And I feel bad but I had no other choice and so that was interesting and like Kate said earlier the conversation seemed really like not the greatest timing for this conversation (laughs) Uh, so I don't know I don't know who what person or being he's supposed to represent I I got the vibe he was he's the kind of person who does lip service to justice and what's correct because he'll be like I know you're not the problem, but then he just goes along with society anyway. I don't know if that's a person, but. (laughs) (laughs) 
well, the, the way I saw the sheriff and I'm, I'm going to throw that, I'm going to play that card again. Being a black man in America, there's, there's a, oh, when any group that's marginalized, the way that marginalization happens is you have a, 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 a larger group that, you know, basically lets it happen and sometimes so, supports it for what's called the greater good, you know, because I think at one point he actually says, well, this is what the people want. They want somebody to blame. And there's, he didn't actually say this, there's more of them than you. So I'm sorry, you lose. And um, for him, it was just a numbers game. I think the sheriff represents the facet of society that allowed apartheid to go as long as it did, to let Jim Crow go as long as it did. And there's that that element in there that he that he represents. That's That's kind of how I saw him. Yeah, I can see that. Now you say that because there were a lot of people like that where, well, I don't agree, but there's nothing I can do about it. And that's what keeps things continuing in the status quo versus like you were saying, Kate, how the hole in the wall gang was a representation of some of the ideologies of, of today and today's society, which seemed outlandish back then, but is more widely accepted, not fully accepted, unfortunately. Yeah. And in the example, even in the example of Jim Crow, I mean, we're not just talking about, you know, one core element because, you know, people like to imagine sometimes that the civil rights was like, you know, every black person, you know, decided to rise up and and speak for themselves. But it it wasn't like that. There was a lot of people that said, don't rock the boat. You're going to make things worse for us. They're going to come down on us. It's not worth it. And um, there's always going to be a voice like that. When it's, uh, you know, unnecessary change comes along, people, some people are going to fight it, even on both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else that we did not cover? What do you think happened to the uh, the whole society that the kid wanted to, to put together, you know, after Ada left and everything? Do you, you think that, I mean, because they had a whole bunch of money, you and know. a lot with, more people. And a, a lot more people joining up every day. Did they build their own society? What do you imagine happened? Yeah, they, they probably built their own place. Only sustained by immigration, though, of course, because it's all women who are mostly barren. So I don't know how long it would last, depending on how quickly society outside of that bubble changed. But, uh, you know, the the West didn't change very quickly. (laughs) How about that? So they probably would have uh, had people willing to join up for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it kind of like their own little, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a society. They provide what they need just or steal what they need. <laughs> but they had their own food sources that they were doing. I mean, even it, I mean, how many people does it take to make a society if they had really just their own self-sufficient way of living? They're not following the laws of the rest of the state, right? So they kind of have to have their own set of rules anyway. So I would say even if they only had 10 people, they were already their own society. It just kept growing. Yeah. I would like to think that they did establish themselves to counteract the the narrow-minded mob uh, mentality society they're surrounded by. But uh, because of the nature of things, unless they started stealing some babies or some some people that were not uh, barren, then they're not going to be around but one generation. Yeah. And I... I would imagine as you get bigger, you're going to have more conflict, right? So you're going to have people that decide to leave or to branch off and to make their own little groups. So yeah, I mean, there's a whole other story that could come out of what happens next, right? We were left with leaving a lot to our imagination. (laughs) 
for all the characters, except Lark. We know he's dead. <laughs> wow. He's the only one that... Poor guy. <laughs> so the first line in the sequel is, Lark is still dead. <laughs> Don't worry. He's still dead. Well, I was kind of waiting for that. Um, I did. I, I remember reading the first few chapters of the Storm of Locusts, which we'll talk about. But it was in the the end of the first book, and it was the same thing. Where like, who's still dead? Who's not still dead? <laughs> so nope. sometimes you just need to establish. You know, did anyone come back to life? Is anyone not really dead? But yeah, nobody stays dead for long in that book. <laughs> Mark is definitely dead. (laughs) Even though he didn't see it happen. Yeah. He also, I think he even didn't quite die on the page. He was like suffering and then they got back and they were like, well, Lark died. (laughs) Yeah, they skipped that. That poor guy (laughs) can't catch a break. (laughs) (laughs) He had it rough. (laughs) He shouldn't have volunteered to uh, to go with him. Well, you know, there there were problems before that, too. Yeah, I'm amazed that he wasn't just pissed off all the time. <laughs> I'm amazed he survived. Oh, man. If you do survive something like that, you'd be bitter as hell. You'd be upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cringed on that. I had to just whiz through that part. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't beat the details. I didn't understand how he could still urinate. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <sighs> Nowadays, there are catheters, but back then, like, what? Oh my God. What? You're going to traumatize Jane. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure and check the explicit box. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> so overall thoughts, what would you rate this book? Would you recommend it? Uh, I really liked it. If you, if you go in expecting a traditional Western, you're probably not going to be super into it. But if you know that it's sort of an alternate history thing... I think you'll enjoy it. A more feminist Western, obviously. I would probably rate it a 4.5 out of 5. Because everything that's on the page, 5 out of 5. Everything that's missing is negative (laughs) 0.5. So that's why it's (laughs) 4.5. Because I I was missing those key moments. But otherwise, I, I enjoyed it. I would probably read something else from this author. Maybe not a sequel. Because I don't think it'll be as exciting. But yeah. I I really enjoyed this book. And for the same reasons, I'm a little bit more harsh than Kate. For the same reasons, I'm going to rate it a four out of five. I'm going to take off an entire star because of the the feeling of being rushed, you know, from a point in the book to the end. And the fact that that end, although made sense, it gave closure and that sort of thing. But the the end was just a little bit unsatisfying to me. And uh, so there you are. But still a good rating. I would recommend the book. Yeah, well, now I feel like the mean person because normally... (laughs) (laughs) the nicest when it comes to ratings but yeah I I mean I'm kind of teetering between a three and a four and I usually don't get half ratings but maybe I'll I'll say three and a half I really really like the book and I like the themes and I just felt like I didn't have enough closure I just like you all said I felt like there were just some weird shifts. We missed out on a lot of details. Lark died so I can't (laughs) I can't give it higher Okay, three and a half, four. Okay, four. I'm too nice. I'll give it a four. <laughs> you talked yourself into it. <laughs> you convinced me it's a four. Okay, it's great. It's a great book. Uh, if you like traditional Westerns, if you live in the West and you like old school uh, Western ideologies, then this book is not for you. <laughs> it, 
if you care about how fast a horse can go from point A to point B, <laughs> this book is not for you. <laughs> okay, three and a half stars. <laughs> wow. Way to go, Kate. I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't, we sort of skimmed over that at the very beginning. I forgot the horses went way too fast. Yeah, they they were hypersonic horses. See, I don't know geography well enough, and I don't know the area well enough. So to me, I was like, oh, okay, they went there, they went there, okay. But yeah, if if they're going state to state uh, overnight, that's... Yeah, I think they went from like the middle of South Dakota into Wyoming in like six or seven hours at one point in the book. I was like, damn. Yeah, you can't even drive that fast. <laughs> what about the headwinds? Like it's so... <laughs> Because Wyoming, they didn't mention this enough. Wyoming is crazy windy. You cross the border, wind. So maybe the wind just like propelled them forward. <laughs> <laughs> they had made they it. The horses made it with the horses made it with Santa's reindeer. So. <laughs> All right. Well, next time we will be discussing the book Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Hopefully I didn't butcher her name too bad. And then we will also have a mini episode discussing the sequel to Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse called Storm of Locusts. And that will just be a quick discussion to recap if you stuck around with us and, and read the sequel as well. So thank you all for joining us and we hope you join us next time. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out. Oh, 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 oh,